Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm, East Tennessee's premier DUI defense, criminal defense, and personal injury law firm. If you find yourself needing legal representation this year, do the smart thing. Call the best team in East Tennessee, the Garza Law Firm at 865-540-8300. That's 865-540-8300. GarzaLaw.com. You can chat with somebody 24-7. Before you say guilty, say Garza. We appreciate Marcos and his team for their continued support. The Garza Law Firm. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on answer point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. The first edition of Reed's Ranch in a while. Apologies, but we are here now. John Reed. Seth, down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, yeah, good to hear yours. Haven't talked to you in a while. It's all, it was tough, uh, World Series week, because we couldn't obviously record until we lost. And then when we lost, it was a, a pitiful loss, or a loss that made me mad. I didn't want to talk about it at the time. It was sad. And then the next two weeks, I had some issues with uh, some family stuff I had to take care of. So here we are. We're here. We're here, and we are closer to football. And the vibes around baseball is good. We've washed away the end of the season, and now we're looking forward to next season. It's been a good transfer portal season for the Vols. Where do you want to start? What do you want to talk about? Uh, I guess it's, I don't know. I mean, what's the biggest thing going on right now? Well, it basically is football season, right? I mean, SEC media days are like in two weeks, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are in two weeks. But then again, there's not really much to talk about with the football team either. Other than that, Joe is, you know, he just looks cool in everything he does. And I really hope it works out for him. He does look very cool, Hollywood Joe. Shame on anyone who uh, wanted to start Nico from day one. <laughs> I really hope it works out for him because he is very, very likable. Shame on anyone who was not sold on Joe from the get-go. You know who you are. Shame on you all. But, I mean, it's basically his football season. It basically is football season. I disagree. I know, I know you. I know you like to. You like to tone it back. To me, it just means, as someone who doesn't really uh, read practice reports that much anymore, um, SEC media days is just like okay. It like is legitimately. Like, it really is coming up. The summer is almost over. My kids are about to start school again. 
Um, and then Labor Day will be here before we know it. Yeah, SEC Media Days for me is like Groundhog Day, except the Groundhog sees whatever result his shadow. Does his shadow mean more winter or no shadow mean more winter? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, whatever, whatever it is that says the Groundhog is going to have six more weeks of winter. That That's what SEC Media Days is for me. I should know that. I actually watched Groundhog Day, the movie, for the first time ever last week. But I didn't pay attention to that part. But either way, that's how I feel about Media Days because it's like, hey, it's coming, but nope, it's that false hope. And then you still got to get like six more weeks before it's actually football time. You got to pace yourself. If you start thinking that football season's here, when SEC Media Day starts, you'll drive yourself crazy, or at least I will. Well, you will, for sure. You will, for sure. I've been going back lately and watching just some of the highlights from last season, watching Brother Will's highlight packages on YouTube. Just, you know, it's time to it's time to change gears, and it's 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 time to think about football. All right, catch me up to speed, then. Nothing's really happened at all. I just okay, other than just I guess do your preview. The SEC get you ready. Like, where are we at for the season? Do you have your picks to click? Have you entered that on the Discord yet? Have you made your official submission? No, I have not made my official submission. Uh, I think the most important player on defense is Aaron Beasley, and. I think the most important player on offense is Joe Milton. I think the sneaky most important player on offense is Cade Mays because if he goes down, I don't know what they'll do. Um, they did get that big commitment over Clemson in the offensive lineman, William Satterwhite, last Friday, which is uh, Brother Chef Don pointed out. That guy is a center, so they have found their next center, which is good. Another win over Clemson, am I right? Another win over Clemson. Uh, two on the recruiting trail in the last two weeks. Don't forget Billy Amick. And oh, three on the recruiting trail trail in the last two weeks, I should say. So if if Cade Mays were to get hurt, I don't know what would happen. I guess the biggest question mark is right tackle. And which of the two former left tackles are going to win that job? I am glad that you have started doing your homework. That way you could give me that analysis that our most important player on offense is the quarterback and the most important player on defense is our, our middle linebacker. I'm, I'm there glad, you go. I'm glad that you have started doing your deep dive so that you could give me that. The biggest question mark, I guess, on defense and defensive end. AK, are we going to generate some pressure? Is that what you're saying? Well, who's it going to be? Is it going to be like... It would be nice if, um, I guess in the spring it seemed a lot like the uh, the freshman whose brother was a linebacker last year. They're from Middle Tennessee. Uh, Spilt? I don't know. Whatever the... Herring. Herring. It seemed like Caleb Herring was really like making a lot of noise, but... Joshua Joseph looked really good last year. We talked about him, we talked about him a good deal on the podcast. He was... You know, he definitely had something off the edge that other guys didn't have. So, does he take the next step? Does um, the five-star they got from South Carolina the previous year, uh, does, does he, or is it, you know, is Herring legit? Like, who is going to step up at defensive end? You know, defensive tackle, it's Omari Thomas. And you feel pretty good about Bryson East. And you also have uh, Roman Harrison at defensive end again. He'll start one position. And he, he, he's okay. He's fine. He's pretty good. He's serviceable, I'd say. 
He did make some plays for us last year. Um, but there really isn't another linebacker other than Aaron Beasley. Like, there's not one. They don't know who is it going to be. Is it going to be Elijah Herring? Is it going to be Arian Carter, a true freshman? My money is that Arian Carter is just too good not to play, so it, he'll eventually end up being the starter. But, you know. Is it not going to be the guy from BYU? Oh, I forgot about him. I guess he might start too. That's the problem with going back and watching off last year's footage. You, you forget new guys to the program. Well, I Aaron assume, Carter is a true freshman. Well, well I, that, I just assume he got that old-ass linebacker from BYU for a reason. Yeah, I assume he'll start. I assume he'll start. Good call. I assume he'll start. And so then, yeah, it'll be Aaron Beasley and him. I guess he's more likely to start than the cornerback, I would say. I would say the linebacker from BYU, Peely, is more likely to start than Gabe Judy Lawley. You know what they say, though. You need you need a lot of defensive backs. We definitely have a lot. We had a lot last year, too. We have we have a ton. Never forget that we had so much depth. We brought in like a six-string guy to come in off the street and shut down Alabama on the game-deciding drive. It's true. That's, it's how, true. that's the Burton. embarrassment of riches that we have in the secondary. We were bringing in walk-ons and just saying, hey, come in here and shut down Bryce Young and the boys. And Jeremiah Burton wanted a pass interference. Did he get one? He did not. No, he did not. Getting covered by a walk-on, dude. Getting covered by a walk-on. I do think that uh, Cade Mays, Cooper Mays, is really important because I think Yeah, I can't believe Addison I didn't correct Nichols, you on that. You said it like three times. Did I say Cade Mays every time? I thought you did. Okay, Cooper, I do think he he's extremely important. Not because he is some star. I mean, I think he's good. But I think Addison Nichols is like going to be a pretty good guard. And... Uh, I would like to keep him at guard, and I think he'll have to play center if Mays gets hurt. Because all, all spring, they had to keep Nichols at, at center. You know, at, at the beginning, this could have just been passed off as like a 2021 preview. Because you said Joe Milton was very important, as was Cade Mays. So, our 2021 offense, I mean, that that we were probably saying the same thing. Yeah, it could have been. My apologies on Cade and Cooper. Time is a flat circle. It's kind of wild that this is going to be Joe's third year at Tennessee. It's insane that he is still playing college football. Do you think other – I guess other fan bases know how old he is, right? So, like, it's like they kept saying we're going to lose a grown man in hand and hooker last year, and now we're just going to run another one out there. If they don't, they'll learn because once Joe starts doing good, it's like every time Hendon Hooker got on TV last year, all I could talk about is I feel like it was just about his age. People were going to talk about how old he was. He transferred. He, you know, he'd been around. It's going to be the same thing with Joe Milton. If Joe Milton, when Joe Milton gets on TV this fall in a game, in a game that they're going to talk about him starting at Michigan, transferring out, winning the job at UT, losing the job at UT, becoming the consummate teammate, which he he was to his credit. He he was an amazing teammate, and him waiting his turn to get his chance. It's going to be. They're going to they're going to talk about that. Non every game, every game. Have you started mapping out the season? How many trips you're planning to Knoxville? Road games? Have you got to that part of your planning yet? I have tickets to Alabama and Florida. Uh, road games. I will be at the um, home the season opener 
in Nashville. Okay, so you're making the trip to Nissan Stadium. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go to the home opener, season opener. I mean, especially against a Power 5 opponent. Yeah. And it's just easy to go to. I am. That's the one that I – it's just so bad. I mean, it's just so bad. That's the one I really – I wish it wasn't in Nashville. I, I wish it was I'm like in shocked. Charlotte. I gotta say, I'm shocked that you're going. It's an hour and a half away. I understand. It's two and a half hours away from me. I don't plan on going. Um, it's going to be so hot, and we're going to win yeah. by fifty. But you know, I get it. You want to go celebrate, and you didn't really go to Georgia last year. Really, you know, put on for the boys too much last year. You didn't go to. Watch, I did go to Georgia last year. Watch us. Oh, that's true. You did. Producer cut that out. And I saw all the patrons, except Zach. I didn't see Zach. But he was, you know, like probably being a degenerate somewhere. Uh, And then I guess I won't be... I guess I didn't see you in Georgia last year. No. But I do now recall that you were there with your sister. Um, And then South Carolina A&M. And then I think, really, Alabama is up in the air. I mean, I have tickets to that. I plan on being there because I think that Tennessee will be undefeated. Were you able to get them from the school, or how did you get them? Yeah, yeah I got them season tickets. Nice. So, uh, we applied for just two games, Alabama and Florida. Yeah. I said I'd never go to Gainesville again until I knew we were going to win, and we're never going to be, like, we've never been seven-point favorites in Florida in my entire life. So, is as a man of my word, to be yeah the the most pressure on Tennessee going into Florida. It feels like it. I mean, because this is a game that we should win. We're going to be favored. This might be their lowest point. Yeah, and it's still a swing game, in my opinion, for the whole season. Well, I don't think it's. I don't think of it as a swing game as much as it is like it derails you if you lose. Yeah, I don't even think like I think Tennessee will win. They're going to be seven point favorites. Blah blah blah. I don't. I mean, I don't think it'll be easy by any stretch. Like it's just winning on the road. Sometimes it's hard, but they have to win the game. He has to win the game. I kind of think it's going to be easy. It might be. Just, it might be. Just in the sense of like, I think it's just one of those teams that is not going to be able to keep up with Tennessee offensively. I think they're going to be quite poor. Right. Like South Carolina last year, we don't have to really like rehash it, but they at least had some offensive talent at quarterback and, you know, had some, you know, towards the end of the season was playing pretty good on offense. I, I just don't see that type of offensive performance from from Florida. I don't see them having that type of explosive plays. Therefore, I just think it'll kind of go like the way that the Kentucky game usually goes. Yeah. I do think they will be quite poor. I do think he has to win um, because I just don't think you can let chances like this slip away where you are seven-point favorites at a place where you literally, it literally, you have not won there in 20 full years. You have not won there in 20 full years. I was 12 years old. It, I mean, it will not be as cleansing as last year's win against Alabama, of course. Oh no, it does. But it, it, but it yeah, will. No. It will feel really, really good, no matter what the you know, no matter what the way you win is, no matter what the margin of victory is. It's going to feel 
you know, really, really good. It won't hit that level, of course, but it'll be close to the people who have gone down there and had their heart broken a couple, you know, broken a couple of times. It is just, it's another box for him to check. It hasn't been done in 20 years. It's simply time for it to happen again. You're a lot, you're a lot better than they are. And, you know, you just don't know how many times you will be that much better than Florida because they can flip the roster so quickly. It's just the truth. I mean, it's, if Napier sucks again, they could fire him and they could hire somebody else who knows what he's doing. And then boom, they're good again because it's Florida. It sucks. But, you know, Tennessee's got a really good coach, too. They're a lot better than Florida. I will be there for that. At night. In the swamp. So it'll be pretty cool. Both times I've been there have been day games, so I've never been to a night game there. So that, w- that will be cool. Has that been officially confirmed, or are you just saying that? Well, it says 6 p.m. Central Time on utsports.com okay. right now. I knew they announced like the first three games. So I guess is that that is yeah that's the third game. So actually they they did not announce Austin P, but they announced Virginia and Florida. Virginia is Virginia's 11 a.m. Central Time kick on ABC, I believe. Yes, on ABC. So we're getting that ABC uh, getting that ABC uh, spotlight again this year on our non-conference game. So yeah, it's a it's a seven Eastern kick. Kickoff in the swamp. Yeah, that will feel good there. It'll be nice. It'll be fun. I'm excited for that. Especially, I don't know if you saw the Utah beat writer that was kind of going through and doing some previews for their season. He got to the Florida game and just basically was like, this game shouldn't be close. It picked Utah to win 42-17, to 17, I think. Yeah. yeah. If Utah just beats the absolute hell out of them, you know, that should be a, a situation. I don't want to say like LSU was last year, but close to that where you can go in and have a lot of people in the stadium and and maybe run them out of their own place yeah yeah i mean i they i do think they will be quite poor um maybe they haven't quit yet just because it's so early in the season but i do think you can probably just kind of just kill them early it's been wild to me how quickly i've been able to move on from florida i barely think about them I mean, maybe it's yeah. the ascension of Georgia. Well, I think part of it is, like, I think for a, it's been a long time since, like, Florida had guys on their team, even when McElwain was winning some games. It's been a long time since, like, Florida had dudes that, like, were genuinely stars and were terrifying and would like rip your heart out like a Percy Harvin or it's been a long time since Florida had like real dudes on their team. I mean, maybe Will Greer could have ended up being like a, a villain, but he got popped for steroids. Antonio Callaway. I mean, he was really good, but it's just been a long time since Florida's had guys like all these times they've beat Tennessee. Tennessee's had more talent. That's what was maddening for Butch Jones. Like, he had a better team than them over and over and over again. But they just haven't had dudes in a really long time. It just took Tennessee a while to actually, like, beat them. Yeah, but even the whole time you still hated them, though, because they were Florida. Or at least that's what I thought. It turns out maybe you just hated them so much because they were beating you every time. But now that you, I don't want to say I've gotten the upper hand because it's only been one year, of course. But 
I don't know. They just seem so down and like you've kind of moved on. You, you, it's like kicking a dead dog. Yeah, and like you know, it's crazy to say that again after only one win, you know, in the series. But but everyone makes fun of them. Everyone, everyone makes fun of them. Yeah, like their own fan base seems completely checked out. Like it, they, I've seen a lot of tweets from Florida fans that I've interacted with. It's just like, yeah, just kind of uh, got to get through this year, and you know, keep keep recruiting, give Billy time. They're in the whole give the coach time phase right now. I will say, like, I wish the guy wasn't as good a recruiter as he is. That's annoying to me that he is recruiting so well. And, like, you go through their list of players and, like, these guys ain't from Florida that they're getting. Now, whether or not they stick is a totally different, like, they might not stick or whatever, but, like, he can recruit and that is annoying. But, I mean, you have to be, you have to be, you know, like, blind, deaf, and dumb not to recruit to Florida. Well, that's why I don't even really give him that much credit because last year, I mean, they finished right next to us. Now, you know, this upcoming class, yeah, they do have, they are right number three right now. Yeah, he's getting some guys, which is annoying, but, I mean, everyone gets guys there. I guess McElwain didn't, but, you know, like, Muschamp did like crazy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everyone makes fun of them. Everybody makes fun of them. Like, I wonder if they'll be able to keep those guys if they have a season from hell. Like, if they come out and just get smashed by Utah and then we run them off their own field. Yeah, I do too. I guess the quarterback they'll probably be able to keep because you just don't see that many quarterbacks flip. I just think it's going to get toxic there. You know, like yeah, a, I, I agree. With as I hard agree. as it is to recruit, like to a, a negative fan base, I think it's going to be really negative and really checked out. Like I don't know which one it's going to be in terms of do they just quit caring and not show up, or do they get as toxic as like we've gotten in the past? Yeah, it's going to see some empty stadiums. Where the rate of fire Napier after you know two years. Talking about Florida, you know, it does get my juices going a little bit, I guess, because it is the first big game. I'll be pretty pumped when it comes time. I was talking to some people actually about going to Florida because, like I said, I do have tickets, but I haven't started planning my trip yet. It'll be nice to see everybody down there. It'd be nice to, you know, wash away some sins because I've been there twice and had my heart broken. Yeah, it's it's both times I've went have been have been nightmarish. One was the Justin Hunter shredding his ACL on like the second play from scrimmage, and then the other was the fourth and fourteen. Yep, those are the two I was there for as well. So it'll be nice to get some revenge from that. Yeah, Florida's schedule. I mean, they might not. I mean, I guess they could. They're going to get off to a slow start, and then you know the, the problem. If I'm a Florida fan, is like it's hard to get excited for recruiting. Whenever, you know, you're going to most likely lose two of your first four games. They got Kentucky still early too, right? Yeah, it's, it's at UK this year. It, th- so they're going to start two and two, and then they go to Lexington. And so then they host Vandy. Then they go to Columbia. Then they play Georgia. So, I mean, like they're looking at what? They could be two and four or th- I guess three and three and five. They'll be th- three and they'll be three and three. And then I guess South at South Carolina is a really huge swing game for them. Sure, and then George is a loss. So like, yeah, it could be three and five. And then like, I just think at that point, you start looking at next year's schedule with how tough it is where they play both Florida State oh, yeah. and Miami, and how yeah. tough their their schedule is next year. And like, that makes it tough to like say, hey, Napier's going to turn around year three, give him more time. So they're a very fascinating team. It could get really ugly for them. It's a lot easier to care about recruiting when it's year two and like your coach is like actually making strides with what he was given 
in his or year one when it, you know like with Heupel, just like seeing. It was a lot easier to care about recruiting when Tennessee went to Missouri and beat them like 60 to 10 or whatever it was, you know, and like drilled South Carolina. Like Tennessee was doing things to teams they hadn't done in a long time with just talent, with like Hendon Hooker that was a third string, it was the second string quarterback behind Joe Milton, you know, like. I'll say for Tennessee in year one, like I had questions, you know, I definitely didn't see the the jump, you know, year two where you're beating down good teams all of a sudden, you know, beating Alabama. But, like, we all said after year one that we had a pretty good idea that we were going to beat all the teams that we had with equal talent. Yeah. Like, we would beat the teams we were supposed to. We were taking care of business. You know, I didn't know if the recruiting would pick up. I didn't know if it would work against Alabama, blah, blah, blah. But, like, with Florida, I don't even know if you can really say that about them after Napier in year one. You can't. You can't. Because I think Heupel did, did so much better in year one than Napier did. And then, of course, you saw the jump in year two for, for Heupel in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, Florida Florida is fascinating. I like that they're still kind of our jumping off point for the season though. Yeah. Yeah, I would think I guess the most important game of the season to me is I guess I don't know. It's hard to say it's A and M. I feel like it might just be at Alabama. So not home against Georgia? It might, I don't know. I just. I mean, the the goal for the season for me, you know, as we are, what you know, seven weeks away, basically. The goal for me is just for that game against Georgia to be for the East. That's what I was going to say. That was exactly what I was going to say. That is my goal every season. Well, this is the last season, but if it was going to keep on like this with divisional opponents, a division, divisions, and that that is my goal is that every November the game against Georgia is for the SEC East. Would really like to win the East before it goes away. It'd be nice to be the last East champions. Yeah, it would. It would be. really suck to go, you know, sixteen years and never win the East again. That would be pretty shitty. So I would really like to win it this year. It'd be really, really cool. But yeah, the goal, and you know, maybe for some, some people out there, are like you know, forget that. Win the East is the goal. Beat Georgia's the goal. We're good enough, and more power to you. And you know, when when it comes game time, I'm sure that. If it is for the East, then we'll feel like we have a pretty good team and that we have a chance. And it'll we be have a chance because really, yeah, it'll be a really you know crazy stadium. But just right here, right now, my goal is to make that game be for the East. I say Alabama is more important because we have um, we have skinned that cat, so to speak, and Georgia just seems like on such a different level than anyone else now it was one game and it was there in tennessee don't forget it rained it rained it rained it rained and that cannot be overstated and you know it just doesn't rain in knoxville in november so we don't have to worry about that this year there will be no rain it'll be you know much better weather so I do. I, I don't know. I, it's hard to say. Like people will say, like A and M is the most important game. I've seen people talk about the Kentucky game because of the, the placement of Kentucky. But I'm not going to dignify Kentucky football with that prize. It's not bigger than A and M. And it's hard for me to say A and M is because they were atrocious. They've been bad, and I don't know that Bobby Petrino in 2023 is going to make much of a difference. My only thing would be that he has to make them at least a little better. And I'm sure he will. 
and I'm sure he will, but what does a little better get you? Texas A&M is probably the the answer just because it's the difference between like basically having a 10-win season, a 10-win regular season. Yeah, it is. Because like you said, we're not going to give Kentucky that satisfaction. We just talked about how we're going to beat Florida and like South Carolina. I, I don't you know, anticipate them being able to hang with Tennessee inside Neyland Stadium. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. They're not going yeah, to South Carolina. sneak up on Tennessee this year. Yeah, that's yeah, that doesn't. They have Tennessee's attention, and so I think it'll go a lot like it did in 2021. The thing about A and M is that Tennessee has two weeks to prepare, so it's it's the opposite of the Kentucky game where you like, and it's at home. I mean, it's just. It, I agree with what you're saying about the ten win, nine win difference. It's but the other hand for me, it's just like. That's true, but I just don't know that they're that good. I don't know that I think Tennessee's I think Tennessee's comfortably better than Texas A&M. I really do. I think Tennessee's comfortably better than than A&M. So if you beat Alabama, uh, then you should be in line to make Georgia for the East. So I that's why my initial gut is is, is Alabama's the most important game of the season. But actually, you could even lose to Alabama and it could still be for the East. That's why I don't. That's why it's not Alabama for me. Is because it's kind of a. To me, it's a. It could be a statement game, you know, to go down there and win on the road and to end that streak and to actually like make Alabama think, oh wow, Tennessee has caught us. It would drive them crazy because they think last year was a fluke. Oh, I think it would be an enormous. Oh yeah, it would. would, It'd be a huge statement. But I'm just saying, like, if Tennessee goes and loses in Tuscaloosa, to me, it doesn't matter as long as you take care of all your rest of your games. So it can't be a swing game for me for that reason because even if you beat Alabama, you're going to have to beat Georgia to win the East. Yeah. Like last year. It's a statement game. It's a big national game. But to me, it's it's house money going to Alabama. Yeah. I agree with all that. I agree with all that. Any other just thoughts? Georgia just seemed just Georgia just seemed on a different level than everyone else last year. You know, which I'm, is just I'm, really annoying. I haven't decided what I think yet because you know we talked about Bryce Young. I think G Man posted either yesterday or today, you know, highlights from the Florida game and just how much Anthony Richardson elevated Georgia. I'm not ready to go that far with Stetson Bennett, of course, but like I do wonder what type of offense they'll have this year because. I do think Stetson Bennett was a pretty good college quarterback. D- oh, Stetson Bennett could make all the throws. It was just the uh, the size of him. Yeah, and I, like, I, he's I, just I, small. I think he made pretty clutch plays too. Like I think he made back. Oh, for sure, he made back breaking plays. You know, just uh, scrambling against us for that touchdown early. Like, yeah, I remember people would talk about like they would talk about him like he was like some bad athlete. He like ran like over. He would be clocked like at over twenty two miles an hour, or whatever. He he's an exceptional athlete. He can make all the throws. He could throw it forever. It's just he was small. I mean. And old and goofy and unlikable, but like, yeah, like, he he was a good college player. So like, I do. We we say that like Alabama's going to miss Bryce Young. We say Florida's going to miss Anthony Richardson. And I just wonder. I mean, I know Georgia's going to have talented quarterbacks replacing him, but I just don't know if they're going to be as good as Stetson Bennett, especially in their first year starting. And I don't know about the, the wide receivers that dynamic. I, I mean, I think that the two guys they got in the transfer portal are both pretty good, but. I, mean, I don't know about dynamic. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just we don't know about Carson Beck. I just think the bar's pretty high for him to be better than Stetson. Yeah, I don't think he'll be better than Stetson Bennett, for sure. 
don't think it'll be. And I think the bar will be pretty high for him to be clutcher than Stetson Bennett. He, he definitely won't be. Um, it really is amazing that first title that Georgia won, that Stetson Bennett was absolutely atrocious in that game in the playoffs against Alabama. He he made that fumble that that Alabama recovered on the sideline, that fluky play, and then after that he just became a monster in that game. I mean, he just like flipped a switch. For the last quarter and a half, he was the best player on the field. Yeah, he just flipped. He was atrocious. It was something like out of a storybook. And then he just flipped a switch and was unbelievable. It's an, it, it really is crazy. But yeah, I agree. Carson Beck won't be anything near Stetson Bennett. Let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Uh, no new patrons, but we did have a patron up their pledge. Shout out to Lindsay. She upped her pledge from 15 to $20. Shout out to Sister Lindsay. We love you and appreciate you. Let's get to some questions. Brother, brother, brother Andrew Julian, first of all, congrats to Brother Andrew on his engagement to his lovely fiance. Congrats, AJ, and lovely fiance. Very happy for you, Brother AJ. You deserve it. You deserve to be happy. You're a fine young man. Who knew he asked- that after all those years of fishing and posting dumbass pictures that his best catch <laughs> would be a human? <gasps> Shout out to uh, his, his Instagram post. Announcing the engagement where he said, Vol's better. And also randomly asked, posted two little ass fish that I guess they caught together. <laughs> Can you rank our incoming baseball transfers? Okay, so at the time of the recording, we have no decision on the Alabama ace, Holman. Where would you put him at if he uh, commits to Tennessee? Uh, Probably, oof. I think if we get him, it would be like a um, a one A, one B, one C, which I know is a cop out, but I don't really know Ooh. how you choose between. I don't really know how you choose between Amick and Peebles, just because you needed a catcher so badly. I do think you need but, a, a proven starting pitcher too. I mean, I I don't really worry about that because I think Tennessee is going to have enough arms that they'll figure it out. But like, not just not just proven like. Opponents hit 186 off him. He was so good, he got his head coach fired in a gambling scandal. I mean, he was awesome. He was better than any starting pitcher we had last year. He was a true ace. Like, he, he was he was amazing. I mean, 186 batting average. But, like, as much as you needed a catcher, you know, like, Tennessee, like Jared Dickey led in batting average, and Maui Ahuna was second, and I don't think they had another guy hit over 300 by the end of the season. And Billy Amick hit over 400. You really need a guy that just is a pure hitter. Like, you needed guys that just get hits. Like, people talk about home runs in Tennessee and all that stuff, but, like, look at what Drew Gilbert hit. Like, Drew Gilbert had the highest batting average in the SEC. He was around, like, 380, right? Yeah, he had, he, he won the batting title. Trey Lipscomb had a super high batting average, extremely high batting average. I mean, Jarrell Ortega had a really high batting average. Like, these dudes, like Luke Lipsius, like, I mean, he walked like crazy. He got on base like crazy. Tennessee needed pure hitters, they, like Jared Dickey. That's what they needed. They needed more people like him to just get people on base, and Amick is that. He's a pure hitter. He's going to hit a lot of home runs, and he's also right-handed. But they just needed a pure hitter so badly that was right-handed. They needed a right-handed bat extremely badly. So I don't know how you choose between him and Peebles. Sounds like Paul Skeens and Tommy Tanks if we get uh, Holman from Alabama. I think that uh, 
Tony probably doesn't get enough love for just like being the hardest working man in uh, it's, college baseball. It's he, nice. He is, Does it make you think that maybe we're doing this wrong in football? Because for so long, and when I say we, I don't mean Tennessee, but for so long it was like, hey, pretty much you cannot be a bachelor and run a college football program. You have to be a family man. That's kind of been the cliche, kind of like a president. But with baseball, we got Tony, who unmarried, no kids that we know of, no family, and like you said, is the hardest working man, just constantly out on the road putting teams together. Yeah, I mean he is um he is an extremely, extremely hardworking individual. He said when he took the job that he's married to the game. He was not kidding. Um and the other assistant coaches, like, they all three went to Cannon Peebles' house in Virginia. Like, you know, Cannon Peebles is from Virginia. Virginia's catcher is leaving to go pro and will be a top 10 draft pick tonight in Kyle Till, who some might remember from two years ago. He was very good when we played them in, in Omaha. Like, he's going to be a top 10 pick. Virginia's catcher is going to be a top 10 pick, and Tennessee got him. Tennessee got Peebles to come to Tennessee instead of going back home to Virginia to play for an, for an amazing program, too. I mean – they all like all three assistant coaches went to his house to get him. I know that like Frank Anderson kept visiting the Missouri catcher that committed last week too. Frank Anderson like just kept going to watch him play this summer to try and get him. Um, yeah, Tony's just an extremely hard worker. I mean, they have really, really crushed the portal. But I, I guess I would put Amic if I had to. I'd say Amic one, then Peebles. But I. You know, you needed a catcher so badly, obviously. Your catcher hit under 200. Yeah, no offense to Cal if he's listening. But, uh, yeah, it was. You almost had two automatic outs at the end of your lineup. Yep. Yep. And now yep. you've went and got a guy that could really hit and, you know, got maybe the best bat in the portal. Yeah, then I would say Nate Snead from Wichita's three, then the guy from Missouri, and then the guy from Jacksonville State. Causey would be. Yeah. But are we, I mean, just, are we, are we just thinking Galaney's gone for sure? Oh, I forgot about him. Okay, I would put. Because um, I mean, he's a stud too, right? I mean, but yeah, I, I would have him three. I would have him three. Then Nate Snead. I forgot about Galaney. No, I don't know. It seems like it depends on who you listen to. Like I know people say it's a it's up in the air, basically at best. The draft is tonight, so like we might have a better idea by like Tuesday if you're listening to this. But yeah. Some people act like he's for sure gone, then others are like, I know that Joe Doyle for uh, D1 Baseball, I think he like didn't even, he's like, didn't even see him getting, he's like, it wasn't even, he wasn't even thinking that he was going to get drafted, but like, some people think that he is for sure going to be drafted and go, because he's been tearing it up in Cape Cod, so. Does tearing it up at Cape Cod mean more than tearing it up for a full college baseball season to like draft people? I think when you play, I think when you play in the SoCon, yeah. Well, no, I just mean if you did it at Tennessee for a year in a high like prestige conference and like you know under a microscope. Yeah, I don't know. Ben McKee was talking about like Zach Joyce went to Cape Cod this summer in part because he thought he could get drafted. Like if he just did really good in Cape Cod this summer, he could go ahead and get drafted, even though he didn't do anything in college this year, which which I thought was interesting. Pitching, I could see that for sure. Yeah, I could too. Just go in there and show your arm, show your stuff. Like, yep. But I wonder, I don't I don't know you know, how they rank the position players. Because, uh, I mean, there's going to be like, what, like 12 to 15 high school players taken in the first round tonight, I think is the projection. Yeah. 
So obviously they're not worried about what they did that against that competition, right? That's just, you know, trying to project this guy's older. So I never really know how to judge that. And then you lose bargaining power. I know that with the contract and stuff. And who knows how much NIL money is laying around for the rest of the baseball players that aren't at the very top. Yeah. I would think that if if he if he gets any decent money, he has to go because he's 23. Right. So I just don't know. I totally forgot about him, though. Um, I mean, he could have gone anywhere, too, basically. Like, people talk about the... You know, like they, you know, the competition that he played or whatever, and but like he could have gone anywhere and played. I mean, you know, like the Tennessee coaches saw him in person last year, and were like, "Yeah, we have to get that guy." So, and then obviously at Cape Cod, where the competition is really good, he's been awesome. So he is, he is really good. Next question, brother BMV asks, "How about those Reds?" Yeah, yeah, I was a couple minutes late because I was watching us get shut out to go into the All-Star break. I, I will say uh, I've given up baseball, and I have been watching almost every game since Ellie got called up. So uh, the, the team's pretty exciting. It feels good to actually have a young superstar. It feels good to have a good young roster. I, I will say, BMV, I, I'm back on the bandwagon. Now, it's to be determined. At any time, I can give back up, and who knows – you know how the second half of the season will go, but it seems like the 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 decade of sucking seems to have paid off because it does seem like the the Reds have a really good young team and a really good farm system as well. Yeah, they're extremely fun, and it still gets me in my feels a little bit to see Joey Votto still hit some bombs. Because there was a time, Seth, when I watched probably like 150 out of 162 regular season games. It would be very, very cool to see Joey Votto win a playoff series. Yeah, never. I mean, never has. That that I think that like it would that would be extremely cool. Joey Votto is an extremely weird guy, very, very weird guy. But I, it's so weird to me that they kept him through the entire rebuild, the entire time. Like he was on on the trading block. There was no reason to keep him, but they just kept him. And now, you know, he has a chance of getting rewarded with, uh, you know, a playoff appearance and maybe a, a playoff series win. That'd be pretty cool. It would it would be so cool to see him win a playoff series. They always talk about how, like, you know, he comes in the morning and, like, shadows the janitor and just, like, actually, like, works a custodian shift at the clubhouse sometimes. Does he really? Yeah, he's, he's done that a couple times where he just comes in and works and helps the janitors. Maybe that's why I kept him around because they needed at least a professional around that the fans at least cared about a little bit. I don't know. And people in the clubhouse cared about it. He just seems like a good dude. Very low-key. He does seem very low-key. Brother TechVall asks, what do you want to see this college football season that doesn't involve Tennessee winning some sort of trophy or Georgia being denied any trophy? I like that. I guess we have just moved past caring about Alabama and rooting for their demise because that would be an easy answer as well. But – at this point in time, TechVall, I will admit I am, uh, you know, a, a slave to recency bias, but I do want to see all the journalists turn on Pat Fitzgerald. That, that's what I'm rooting for right now. All the Northwestern journalists who have celebrated him for two decades, I want to see them turn against him. It does seem like he is going to get fired, right? Yeah, I would be shocked if he's not. Well, I read the Northwestern, like 
president's quote where he's like, you know, I kind of erred on a suspension. And I thought that meant that like something that came out where he was saying he was too harsh on Pat Fitzgerald. Cause like the first like paragraph of the athletic report was basically like, there's no proof that he knew anything or the coaches knew anything. And basically since that moment, it's all come out like, yeah, there's no way that the coaches didn't know. I think the, 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 the statement was, was not phrased well, because what the guy meant was that he was too soft. Yeah, and the first yeah the first statement makes it sound like he was too harsh on him. And what the guy said because they because they released another statement I guess today this morning or last night basically saying, um, like I aired I messed up. Um, whenever that was it earlier today, like, this, like here's the original statement in the athletic article that that, that I read. It's like okay, so maybe Pat's okay. It's like upon reflection, I believe I may have aired in weighing the appropriate. Sanction for Coach Fitzgerald. The confidential report concluded that while there were corroborating evidence that hazing had occurred, there was no direct evidence that Coach Fitzgerald was aware of the hazing. In determining an appropriate penalty for the head coach, I focused too much on what the report concluded, uh, or on yeah, on what the report concluded he didn't know, and not enough on what he should have known. Okay, I guess that last sentence kind of changes a little bit. That last sentence, that la- but to me, I'm looking at this too. The first paragraph that this guy. That of the article where it says Northwestern President Michael Schill said in a statement he may have erred in his decision to suspend Coach Pat Fitzgerald for two weeks following an investigation into the allegations in the football program does make it seem like he shouldn't have been suspended at all. And so the, this Scott Dockerman Scott Dockerman article is the first paragraph. It's not very. But what the guy, what the president well, meant. I do appreciate what, you backing me up and helping me not feel like an idiot, and that I do understand how to read and can comprehend things i appreciate you the the uh what the president meant is that the punishment was too light and what i've what i've been able to piece together is that northwestern just banked on the fact that this student this football player would not talk to anybody else they 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 investigated it they found the same things that the student newspaper found they just banked on it never becoming public is my understanding. They bet on nobody else doing any investigative work. And to their credit, the only people that did is the student newspaper. It doesn't seem like a bunch of other people were going, you know, but the student newspaper did and they got they talked to the player and he just unloaded and they printed it and then it was game over. Like I, I don't understand like all none of the stuff in that story this is I'm, I I could be incorrect here, but my understanding is that none of the stuff in the story from the student newspaper was new to Northwestern. They knew the, the 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 like the gist of it, the main overarching theme of that story they already knew about. They just thought they could keep it quiet. I mean, just listening keep, to you say all that, it it seems a lot like. You know, if we go back in our time machine, like the Ray Rice situation, because the NFL knew what happened with Ray Rice. They just thought, hey, this video's never going to come out. It'll be okay. And then the elevator video came out of him knocking out his fiance or his girlfriend. And then, you know, the, everything changed. It seems like Northwestern knew what everything, you know, everything that happened. But then the details actually hit the public light. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. That's my understanding of it. That's my understanding. From a very quick read of what. I mean, I read the story yesterday, but from what I've seen otherwise, 
other than just like all the journalists talking about how great the student newspaper is. My understanding is that they knew they bet on the fact that this would never become public. And it did in like the span of 24 hours. <laughs> just so they could keep Pat Fitzgerald, who's like, what are they like in their last like two years? I think I saw, I mean, they I think I saw our friend Will Warren, stats by Will, say that he was 7-26 and 26 in his last three seasons that weren't COVID. Because they were good the COVID year, I'm pretty sure. But like they were randomly good last year. They didn't win a conference game in America, I believe. The only game they won was uh, when Nebraska choked away in Ireland. Yeah, that was the only game they won. Period. Last year. Yeah, like I said, I think they're seven and twenty six, as the number will said. And they're fighting to save Pat Fitzgerald for that. It's one thing if you're doing it like when we're questioning what the hell Kirby Smart's doing with his program and why these guys keep speed and doing all this crazy shit. They're winning championships. You got people dry humping. What is that? Dry raping? I don't even know what it is. Dry humping. Yeah, dry doing sexually assaulting other players to go seven and twenty six. Well, and the other thing is that, like, look, fairly or not, like teams in the SEC, like they people view them as like they're going to be a little rowdier, but like a team like Northwestern, a Big Ten team, a private school. They ought to not be doing this. And it turns out that, like, these Big Ten teams do crazier things than SEC teams ever dreamed of. Like, yeah, these Georgia players need to slow down. They need to slow the hell down. It's insane to me that it keeps happening with these guys driving so fast. Especially after someone just died. Especially after somebody just died, okay? But these Big Ten teams, these Big Ten schools have the, I mean, SEC can't hold a candle to to these guys. They can't. There's a lot of sexual deviancy. In, in Big Ten country. Which it makes sense. I mean, the Midwest, it's, there's nobody normal in the Midwest. Lot, let's be honest. A lot it's of a, serial killers come from the Midwest. It's, it's, it's not a good area of the country. It's a terrible, boring area of the country. Um, so it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. Anyway, to answer Tech's question, uh, just randomly off the top of my head, I would appreciate it if Oklahoma continues to suck. I would like them to continue to be terrible because their fans are annoying. So you want Oklahoma to suck more than, like, Texas to keep sucking? Uh, yeah, I want them both to, to be terrible. But Oklahoma more. But we've talked we've talked about Oklahoma's fans after Lincoln Riley left and how annoying they were. Yeah, yeah. It would be nice for them to have to come back and have those chickens come to roost. Yes. For them to actually realize, oh, wait, we might actually be in trouble in modern college football. We lost, like, our last hope of Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Because it's not like Oklahoma has too many, like, big-time advantages anymore. Correct. They have they have just no in-state talent. They got their history going for them, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, at least we, you know, we, we're, we weren't that different from that, but at least we could fall back on, like, hey, we are in the South. We at least got that going for us. We're close to some recruiting hotbeds, so we shouldn't be bad for long. Oklahoma, on the other hand, you start looking around and – you know, they might be the ninth or 10th team in the SEC pretty soon. Yep. With no way to climb out of it because they lost their, you know, their Hall of Fame legendary coach. And then they lost their home run Grand Slam successor who was, you know. And on top of all that, and on top of that, it was entirely self-inflicted. Does Lincoln Riley ever leave if Oklahoma goes to the SEC? Maybe he does. I think Lincoln Riley would have gone to USC if USC won. He, he might have. But what I do know is that if if they don't leave for the SEC, then 
they're like they can go hire another awesome coach. Yeah, and you know we don't know for sure if Lincoln Riley would leave. I just think he's an LA guy. He seems like he was wanted to be famous. Well, yeah, I mean it's the best weather in the country. Yeah. Like he had no ties so, to Oklahoma either, really. Yeah. So, but man, just but, going to the SEC yeah, seems like it's just in shooting themselves in well, the foot. Well, even without Lincoln Riley, yeah, like even without Lincoln Riley, they could win eight to ten games. You know, almost automatically in the Big Ten, uh, Big Twelve. Yeah, and now they're going to be looking where you're guaranteed where, a playoff spot. Yeah, now they're going to be looking around like, hey, you know, uh, we should really cherish these nine win seasons, and if we ever get a ten win season, you know, do backflips. But that seems like it's going to be the hard ceiling for them for a while. They they seem like they're going to be more like the eight and four, seven and five type. Yeah, and it's like they're good at anything else. Like their basketball is not great. They've had some stars, but like they're not a consistent basketball program. I don't know what they are in baseball. I mean, obviously, I know their softball team is really good, but like, it just seems like they are in uh, a real pickle here. They might be looking at Nebraska pretty soon as like a kindred spirit. Just seems crazy to me that they actually wanted to do it so badly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the money, I get it, but yeah, the money couldn't have been worth that much more, could it? Have? But who knows? If Texas leaves, maybe yeah. the money was worth it. Brother Jonah asks, would you rather have every song ever available to listen to, but they're all performed by Pitbull, or have every artist ever still exist, but they only have covers of Pitbull? I would like to hear Pitbull sing other songs. What is Pitbull's most famous song? His most famous song? Yeah. It's a good question. Um, if I was guessing, it's uh, the Give Me Everything Tonight song with Neo. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Let me check his Spotify. One second. Is Pitbull considered a rapper? Sorry, I had to unplug my headphones. I'll cut out the silence. All right, I've got Pitbull pulled up. Let's see. His most famous songs. Give Me Everything is Timber by him and Kesha. Time of Our Lives. (laughs) Those are in the billion playlists. Gasolina. I remember Gasolina. No, no, no. That's Daddy Yankee. Oh. <laughs> yeah, wrong, wrong Hispanic person. Hold on. I, I mean, I okay. do love his first album, Miami. Money is a major issue where he's rapping. Although it does make me a little uncomfortable that he's saying the N-word so much, but Lil John's like on every song with him, so I guess Lil John was fine with it. But it's, Hold up, hold up. Pitbull he used to be a rapper. Uh, well, yeah, is he a rapper? That was my well, question when be. you unplugged. He used to be a rapper. Okay. And then he became like a pop guy, kind of like Florida, who, you know, just stands for Florida where he's from, but it's also a play on words because he rides flows, like he rides the beat, although he's more of a beat rider instead of a flow rider, but either way. The remix of uh, Gasolina had to Yeah, yeah, he was on the remix. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was Daddy Yankee. It was Daddy Yankee. Daddy Yankee. My bad, my bad. It's okay. I didn't know I didn't know Pitbull used to say uh the N-word. Yeah, if you go back and listen to Money is a major issue, his first album, which again has some bops on it. I mean, I love Kulo. Kulo is a really good song. It means ass. And damn it, man, I love those two. But um yeah, he said the N-word a lot on there. But so did Fat Joe, so maybe there's different rules. I don't really know. I am uncomfortable with the conversation. Let's move it on. But I, I would rather hear Pitbull sing other songs. Well, I, I I can safely say that Cubans are not black. Okay. So, you what about know, Dominicans. I think Fat Joe is Dominican. You you can be, you can okay. be, you can, you can be. Cubans Cubans are uh, uh, 
They identify no. as white. I did learn that. They are. I was gonna say there is there is white as me. Yeah, and you. whenever we discussed Desi Arnaz, and I was trying to say that I love Lucy had the first interracial kiss, I was quickly told I was wrong about that. So uh, I did learn yeah, something over the last year. Cubans are Spaniards, so yeah, I, I can safely say that um, uncomfortable or not with this conversation, Pipple is not black. So he shouldn't have been saying that. I'm surprised it's, he shouldn't surprised have been saying it's that. still up and he didn't get canceled. Different times, I guess, in 2004. But again, Lil John was there, so I don't know. Speaking of um, people that have gotten canceled, Brother Tucker Carlson asks us, between Josh and Tony, if you could look into the future and see how their tenure ended, which would you pick and why? Repeat that, please. Okay. I, I, between Josh... I, 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 between Josh and Tony, and see how their tenure ended. Okay, so who do you want to see ended more, and how it ended? Uh, it's a good question. It seems like a depressing question a little bit, because everything does have to come to an end. Mm-hmm. So when we see, we're, we're we're seeing how it ended and why. Do we get to see all the good times too in this scenario? Do you think, Seth? I think you get to live out those. Okay, so you, you just get times. to, like, everything flashes before your eyes. You're like, wow, we won a championship here. Wow. And it's not just, like, the end. Scandal. Well, I th- I th- you get to see how it ends, and then, Leaves to save then you Oklahoma. go back to real time. Leaves to save Oklahoma after John and Seth just shit on them to try to save his, his alma mater. Oh, that'd be tough. Maybe we need Oklahoma to stay okay and not be <laughs> terrible. Maybe we actually need to root for Oklahoma to be good for a couple years. Maybe you should change your answer. It is Tennessee does appear to be fairly lucky that both baseball and football head coaches are good at their jobs and both have like a pretty shocking amount of disdain for their alma mater. Um, especially Tony Vitello. I mean, he said he was done with Missouri when they didn't hire him the year before Tennessee did, and he has stuck with that. He is 100% done with Missouri. It's very easy to be done jo- with Missouri, I, I think. So I, I give Tony credit for that, but, like, yeah, it, you'd be going I, I know to a saying, bottom feeder. I'd be more worried. Um, I mean, I don't think we have to worry about with Tony with Arkansas or something, but, like, that's almost more of his alma mater to me because it's where, you know, it's credit for really oh i think with coach. them i think with them they would never stoop that but they would consider they would never stoop that low right. to hire Tony i do Tony. wonder I if the hype will stuff is overblown with how much he hates oklahoma and it might be some I, mean, I do think he probably like hates bob stoops or at least like you know yep. the people that were in charge there that you know got him, that let him get fired yeah but if all those guys are gone like I wonder, I yeah. wonder if I could, if time can heal those wounds. Yeah, but it's probably not a situation where like he leaves a good thing to go there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would rather see how it ends with Tony, just because I think it'd probably be a funnier ending. I was just thinking that I was like, with Tony, is it like does he get caught in like an an inappropriate relationship yeah. with a girl, yeah. <laughs> like the back girl? I mean, not, I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying he has cheerleader probably. I'm just saying, like, is that how it ends? It's like he's such a philanderer that, you know, does it is it a Bill Clinton moment? You know, it's got. I, I would say it's infinitely, it's infinitely, infinitely more likely that it'd be a funny story. 
I can guarantee Heupel's that when it really ends with Josh Heupel, just like, it's going to be really yeah, sad. Really sad or just like pretty boring. Like maybe he leaves 30 years later. Maybe he's here for 30 years and he's like, hey, okay, it's time to retire. Yeah. Or it's going to be really sad. Oh, yeah. Okay. We all have to be the Wesley Snipes crying with the gun out emoji as we put him down. <laughs> Brother CB asks, what is each of y'all's official song of the summer? My official song of the summer. Okay, I don't think I have a song of the summer yet, actually. Let me go check to see if I've had anything to my summer playlist that I was making last year. Has anything made the cut this year? Last year, I had a couple submissions. I'm going to guess that you don't have a song of the summer, Seth. I have a podcast of the summer. You have a podcast of the summer? I have a podcast of the summer. Okay. The rest is history. I cannot, um, I cannot recommend this podcast enough. I, I cannot recommend it so much. I mean, I have become a member of, of the Rest is History Club for six pounds a month. <laughs> Two Englishmen. They're both um, very lauded historians. Tom Holland and uh, Dominic Sandbrook. Not that Tom Amazing Holland. Amazing. Not that Tom Holland. Not that Tom Holland. But the Tom Holland. The Tom Holland of um, a, a Roman historian. Dominic Sandbrook is more an American expert especially about presidents. I, that, that podcast is amazing. So that's what I've been listening to this summer. Nonstop. Six pounds a month. I'm on their Discord now. Nice. It's very important that you support artists, that you appreciate their work. Yeah, you have to support other content creators. It's very important if you're a listener and you enjoy content to uh, you know support those people. Patreon.com. True. Ranch. Uh, according to my summer playlist, the only somewhat new song that I've added to it this year which, again, I don't know if this makes it the right answer, but it's the the Sturgill Simpson and Diplo song, Use Me. I love that song. It's got kind of a summer vibe to it. I need to step my game up, though, find new summer songs. Anything else? We just hit the hour mark. I can get out of here. No, that, that's all I've got. i go eat dinner tonight. That's all I've got. All right, love you. Talk to you later. I love you, too. Bye-bye. See ya.